Blog Talk Radio. All right, hockey fans, welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. <coughs> Excuse me, we've got a great episode for everybody today. Uh, we got Jeff Ponder from Let's Go Blues Radio coming in. We're going to preview the Central Division. We've got a big story about Shea Theodore this week. Uh, he wrote an article on playerstribune.com about his uh, ordeal with cancer over the summer. So we'll get into that a little bit. We've had our rookie games in place. Uh, camps are underway. We've got a lot to get into. Uh, without further ado, let me bring in Chris Lisa, our content manager here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Yes, uh, I guess we start off with a serious story, but one that is in a good uh, has a happy ending, and that's with uh, Shea Theodore. The news coming out that uh, in the off season he was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, but he's okay. Um, you know, uh, cancer diagnosis and treatments have come a very, very long way. Uh, but having said that, uh, someone whose uh, mom's a cancer survivor, uh, it's a scary thing. You know, so uh, you, you know, you you you, uh, you think you know uh, what all that entails until either if you didn't live it, someone very close to you did, and you kind of see that step by step process. And, you know, my mom's a cancer survivor for several years now, and she's alive and well and, and all that good stuff. But um, it's scary, you know, and for a young guy, you know, we've seen it in, in this kind of cancer. Uh, I think John Lester of the Chicago Cubs, who is with the Red Sox, if, if I'm not mistaken, had the same kind of cancer. It's been a couple of baseball players, I think. Uh, uh, but uh, it's good to hear that he's, doing well it doesn't sound like there's any restrictions i believe in terms of uh uh moving forward with with his play i'm sure they'll monitor him and all that stuff but uh scary story but at the same token one that that has a happy ending 
Yeah, for sure. And my mom also is a cancer survivor, sir. She had thyroid cancer when she was uh, nine back in the 50s. So oh she doesn't God. get she yeah she doesn't get through that I'm not even here talking to you today sir and and uh, shout out to my uncle uh, Dusty down in Phoenix he's going through cancer right now um, sort of victimized by the uh, the VA medical treatment uh, or lack of in in Phoenix that was a national story and everyone knows uh, how miserable that was well he was misdiagnosed with torn rib cartilage for four years while it grew. Uh, throughout his body so he's in a battle right now with that as well so so uh hang in there dusty um interesting uh shay theodore writes the uh article himself um to to get get the story out there and his main focus was uh early treatment is is was a huge key in, in where he is today um he didn't through chemo didn't get through radiation he didn't have to suffer through any of that um he uh, was in the world championships and was headed back to the locker room, and the drug testing guy just pulled him aside and said, hey, come on, and he thought he was getting tested again. And uh, he had tested before one of the preliminary games, and they said, hey, your test was positive for HCG, which is a, a uh, hormone produced in pregnant women. They figured that wasn't it. Sometimes also uh, – triggers a positive for human growth hormone, which obviously is a banned substance. So uh, they, they, they did tell him at the time that uh, it's also a, a hormone produced when uh, testicular cancer is present. So um, that's how he found out of it was through the, the, the World Championships drug testing program. And, and he got back home and, and he got checked out. And... Uh, he had uh, a five millimeter mass that they got a hold of early and, and got it out of there. And, and that was three months ago. And, and all indications are he's, he's ready to go for camp in the season. But um, that definitely a scary thing when the C word. Uh, uh, you, you mentioned John Lester. Also, Phil Kessel went through about with testicular cancer, too. Oh, okay. And uh, oddly enough, in his, excuse me, in his, uh, before he let the team know, he went out to Shadow Shadow Golf Course here in town and ran into Phil Castle, but um, was too, by his own words, he was too scared to say anything about it. And uh, his agent contacted Kessel the next day after after uh, he had notified the team, and Kessel sent him a, uh, a, a, a get well, you know, kind of a, a things are going to be okay text, which meant a lot to Shay. And uh, so, yeah, he, he's all systems go for the season. Um, but that's the latest news. Uh, definitely a scary thing. We also had the uh, – moving on from that. Uh, yeah. One more thought, Chris. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, you were uh, telling me about uh, uh, Dylan Conklin has uh, opened up some eyes, I believe. Uh, yes, sir. He was in the uh, rookie group um, that went over to Anaheim and played the uh, three – three games against Avs, Ducks, and, and Coyotes. And uh, the team as a whole, 0-3. Oh, um, but um, there is a spot on the on the Vegas Golden Knights blue line this year with the departure of Colin Miller. And uh, some of the some of the rooks, uh, Nick Haig, Tyler Biscoff, uh, Jimmy Schultz. Jimmy Schultz, I don't believe, was in rookie games, but... Uh, 
Hagen and Bischoff were. And it was Dylan Coughlin that opened a lot of eyes. And uh, a couple guys, Jesse Granger, who writes for The Athletic, and uh, David Shine, who writes for the local paper, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, said he was by far the best player on the ice in all three games, three goals, three assists in three games. Uh, That's a nice way to announce your presence. He's an undrafted uh, developmental camp invitee from 2017 who earned himself an entry-level contract in that camp. And um, heading into the big boy camp, he's definitely – on the radar now, a lot of people want to see Nick Haig get that shot, um, or you know Zach Whitecloud was in that camp. There's a lot of a lot of run coming on Whitecloud. He had a he had a few games um, already with the big club uh, two years ago. So he's someone most Golden Knights fans at least should be passingly familiar with uh, on the blue line for the Golden Knights. But uh, right now the early and, and and I know we're talking about rookie games and competitions, but what um, a couple of super nice passing plays, um, setting up directly setting up goals on his assists. And then um, his slap shot looks to be pretty impressive just based on, on the rookie game. So as, as we head into camp and, and the Golden Knights first games tomorrow at one um, the T-Mobile crew will have a little work. There's UFC fights at T-Mobile tonight, and then of course they schedule the early game uh, uh, tomorrow at 1.30, so they'll be working OT down at the Fortress, but uh, heading into camp, uh, expect to see a lot of Dylan Coughlin uh, on the blue line as we go forward. Yeah, and you brought up a good point about bringing up you know, with the, with the trade of Colin Miller due to the salary cap. I mean, we know that Nate Schmidt, Shea Theodore, and Brandon uh, uh, McNabb are going to be, you know, the core of the blue line, you know, uh, this season and, you know, the next, you know, three-plus years out, uh, in the case of Schmidt and Theodore, more than that. But, you know, Holden and Merrill are, you know, one year away from unrestricted free agency. Uh, It's the kind of thing, if they play really well, I don't know if the Knights can afford them with their cap or if they're kind of mediocre or a little worse, they probably don't want to bring them back. Obviously, Derek, you know, England is near near the end. So, you know, not only uh, in terms of an open spot on the second pairing uh, uh, D-line, D-line for Vegas, but really those, those you know, those spots, four, five, and six, you know, big picture. Uh, it's a heck of an opportunity uh, for these young guys, like uh, like a Coughlin, like a Hay, like a like a Schultz. Um, you know, see if they can kind of uh, grab the brass ring. No one's asking them to be uh, a number one defenseman, but if they can be uh, uh, contributing members to that group, if you will. So, uh, and like we've talked about the cap uh, in the past with with the Knights, and you mentioned last week with. Um, I forget who they signed now, but they just got in by under the cap by their chinny chin chin. It might have been Schultz, and um, yes, so you know there's not, yeah, so it's, there's not a lot of room at the end, uh, you know, to trade for <laughs> a big defenseman uh, in, in terms of the night. So, uh, real great opportunity here from the young guys, and let's see if uh, someone can grab it. Well, yeah, for sure. The the defense is some somewhere one you know one of the strengths of the organization depth wise, and and yeah, whoever makes the camp out of you know makes the team out of camp this year, um, 
you know, this is this is long term. You've you've got your core, obviously, uh, Theodore Schmidt, McNabb. Those guys are your are your stalwarts. They're going to be there. But yeah, after the, after this season, you could have three spots open on the blue line um, with with Miller, England, not Miller, sorry, Holden, and, and England gone. So the, it isn't just a, uh, a tryout for this season. This is. And obviously, with Brandstrom gone to Ottawa, um, he would have been in the mix for this spot, and you know, most likely would have made the team. Um, this is a chance for these young guys to cement their their claim uh, to be a Golden Knight long term. So, that, a great point by you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So, we'll uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. Well, quick notes from around the league. We had the uh, Mitch Marner saga come to an end yesterday with a six-year, 10.8 and change, 10.9 and change, somewhere in there, um, deal getting getting him into camp. And then this morning, and I, I don't know how related it is, but we're getting reports out of Winnipeg that Patrick Laine is uh, on his way out of the country to uh, begin training with a team in his homeland, uh, if if he was going for, uh, you know, Marner-type money and they just shut that down and said that's not going to happen is what, you know, it's what the the writing on the wall says. But he's on his way to Switzerland, uh, going to be training with SC Bern for a while um, while that gets sorted out. How Do you think the, the Marner deal, uh, Patrick Laine aside, um is gonna is gonna set the market and and some of these second tier RFAs that are holding out for big money, are, are we gonna see them starting to come to camp or or is Patrick Line the uh, the what do you want to call the benchmark of what we're looking at heading into camp? No, his situation seems to be a little bit different because it doesn't seem like he's in love with Winnipeg from afar. But right, you know, I give Marner a little bit of credit. Well. You know, you know, Marner to me, and I look ten point nine million a year guaranteed for six years. I mean, that's a, that's enough money for him, his family, his his children, his children's children, those their children. He's okay. Yeah. But, okay. But he's okay. But if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, he took he took a little bit less than Matthews. I I get it. Matthews is center, but he took a but you know Marner's been arguably their best player these last couple of years. He took a little less money. Than Matthews, and he gave them an extra year. Uh, you know, another year they bought out a free agent year. So, you know, that was a kind of a big thing uh, that he did. He helped them on both ends of the of the spectrum, if you will. But um, yeah, I, I think it will help. It could help some of these other negotiations. Now, the problem might be if you're Miko Rantanen, uh, as an example, and I believe he's still unsigned, and you're his agent. And say, okay, well, we have to get that number. And Colorado's like, well, with all due respect, Mitch Marner so far in his career is shown to be a better player. Uh, so that's why he's earned that number. Your number needs to be a bit less. So that's where it can get kind of complicated, or sometimes because that is now taken care of, they can speed up the negotiations. And, you know, as long as, but, you know, they're far apart. If Winnipeg is in the mindset of, you know, Line A, you were really up and down last year. After your rookie year, there's been some great moments and there's been some low moments. And right now we want to go, you know, maybe that two- to three-year deal or, or actually probably 
a two-year deal kind of thing, a short-term. Maybe he wants long-term. Maybe they, they think his number should be seven and a half, and his, he thinks his number should be Marner at 10.9. So each each direct negotiation is its own thing. 10-4, and, and now let's bring in our featured guest. Uh, Jeff Ponder is joining us from the Let's Go Blues radio podcast. We did a show with Jeff over the summer on the uh, tie-ins between the Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues, and that was a lot of fun. So we wanted to have Jeff in and look at the Central Division, being as the St. Louis Blues are going to be, or are currently, the defending Stanley Cup champions. If you haven't heard that episode of the show, um, go over to... Jeff's Twitter handle at jponder p o n d e r ninety four. That's at jponder ninety four. Scroll down through his timeline and find that link and click it out. We had a lot of fun talking about it. And there's a lot more tie-ins between the Blues and Golden Knights than than a lot of people might think with the young franchise and the Golden Knights. Most notably, uh, uh, David Perron leaving the Vegas Golden Knights and putting his name on the Stanley Cup. So let's welcome Jeff into the show. Jeff, how you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, that episode was uh, that was a lot of fun to record. Uh, you guys, um, you know, obviously know your stuff. Chris, kind of having the East Coast connection, so uh, kind of getting an all-around league discussion with you guys uh, was definitely fun. You can also find the episode, by the way, over at Let'sGoBlues.com/slash/radio, or uh, we're also on iTunes and and uh, you know wherever you find podcasts. Just look for the Golden Knights episode. For sure, Are you there? I think you might have cut out. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure, go and do that. Well, let's jump in. We have the the defending Stanley Cup champion in this division, so let's start right there. A team you're really familiar with. Um, are, are we looking at a perennial contender, or did the Blues catch uh, lightning in a bottle with Bennington and, and just go on a tremendous run that that never stopped? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's, it's interesting. Um, when the Blues were in the Stanley Cup final, this was a, a discussion uh, by many people here in St. Louis. You know, is this is this a team that you know could if, if they lose in the final to the Bruins, can they come back next year? Can they come back the year after? Um, you know, is it, how built is this team for not only success this year but the years beyond? And um, I think a lot of people. Uh, at that time, we're saying that this is a one and done. This is a team that uh, you can expect to, to make a long run this year and maybe next year, but uh, it's not going to last. And I think it's just because of the, the up-tempo style they play. Uh, you know, people talk about Alexander Ovechkin and how he plays that uh, that, that mean style uh, but still scores a ton of goals. But the question is, how long can his body take it? And I think it's uh, kind of encompassed more in a team uh, atmosphere with the, with the blues. And, uh, but now I think when people kind of look back and, and really like remember the way this team played and how they came together and, um, and you just kind of look at the firepower this team truly does have uh, in, up and down the lineup. I mean, first to fourth line, you know, you got a guy like Ivan Barbashev. I think any team would welcome him uh, possibly as a top six, definitely a top nine guy. Uh, but he's, he's a fourth line center with the blues. Um, you know, and, and these guys, they play this style, yes, but, uh, you know, they have these young guys coming up like Sammy Blay, who was a big contributor in the playoffs. Uh, again, Ivan Barbashev, another guy. You know, you saw Pat Maroon leave, and, and the reason that that was able to happen was because 
they've got guys in the pop pipeline that are ready to jump up and fill his role and uh, be able to step into top six minutes too. a guy like Jordan Cairo, who really was kind of an afterthought after the, uh, the, the, the blues started their run. He was one of the highest touted prospects coming into last season. And he didn't even see any time in the playoffs for the blues. So, um, you know, this team's got, they're built to win. And I think that they're going to continue their success. Um, I don't think we're going to see the crazy performance we saw from Jordan Bennington happen again. I just don't think that's too much to ask for any goalie, but um, I do think he's the real deal. I think he's, uh, going to prove to be a, a top 15 goalie in the league, which, you know, if you're in the upper, upper echelon, ep, ep, I can't say that word, echelon, <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think you know, you can, uh, you can see him being that guy and, and, you know, maybe even taking another step and calling him a top 10 or even a top five. Uh, I don't know. It's too, called, too soon to call that. But uh, I, I think this is the real deal. I think we're going to see a real good Blues team this year. Um, should be interesting to see what they do with Baruby behind the bench for 82 games. You know, that leads me into the the next question you touched on, on Bennington there. And I, I wanted to, being a Central Division guy, uh, um, I'm sure you remember that Antony Emmy won the first cup for the Chicago Blackhawks in their run and went to arbitration, maybe thought he was better than he was, wanted more money, and Chicago cut bait and let him go. And really, he never found another home and and kind of struggled um, throughout the rest of his time in the NHL. You don't see that from what you just said. You don't see that sort of scenario playing out here with Bennington. You think he is the future and long-term number one goalie for the Blues? Yes, I do. Um, at the very least, I think he's at least a split starter for the Blues. And you'll see, like, a uh, if you look back at the old Elliott Halak days for the Blues just a couple of years ago, um, at least I think that's what you'll get from him because – yeah, you know, you had the Blackhawks and they won that cup, and it, you know, I think the it was, uh, do we keep Jalmerson or do we keep uh, uh, Ranta or not Ranta, um, uh, Niemi, and um, they chose Jalmerson because they felt that that team was built on defense, um, and they the defense won the cup more than the goalie did, and turns out it was correct. You look at the career Niemi had after that, and how the Blackhawks went on to win another cup after that. Um, and so obviously, in hindsight, that's a that's a good call for the Blackhawks. But good the point. Blues they won the cup they they won the the, the cup a little differently. I think that uh, yes, they have a very strong defense, very good top six. Again, a guy like Carl Gunnarsson could easily be your number seven defenseman. And I think again, any team in the NHL would welcome him as a uh, top five, top six defenseman. And uh, I think that uh, they 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 have the good defense, but I think. The way Bennington was able to bail them out, especially just just watch the first period of Game 7 against the Bruins. Um, the way that he just kept no the doubt. Blues in that game, uh, especially early on in that game, I mean, there was multiple chances. I want to say there was three highlight reel saves he made in that first period before the Blues even scored a goal. So that doesn't happen. They probably don't win the Stanley Cup. So I think looking at the way he played versus how Niemi played, I think Bennington's role was, was just a slight above what Niemi did. And uh, I think the Blues know that he's not only just uh, the guy that's going to be back there to stop the puck, that he's an important uh, aspect of this team winning games. Hey, Jeff, it's Chris here. So I'm going to hit you up on three teams and then let Mark finish you, finish up with the, the segment. But 
before I get to that, I just know you know just noticed uh, your Twitter of J Ponder ninety four. I hope that ninety four has nothing to do with who won the Stanley Cup in nineteen ninety four. No, no, sir, no, it does not. No, it's uh, been <laughs> okay. forever been my hockey number. Uh, number nine okay. comes from a an old family number, and then the four actually comes from uh, Chris Pronger's forty four. And uh, when he joined the Blues, I. I Went from nine to ninety-four because of that. So no, it has nothing to do with the Rangers. Okay, we, now we, we can have a civil. We can have a civil discussion now. Okay, so, good, good, good. Uh, Nashville. <laughs> oh, kidding aside, Na- Nashville. Uh, they they had a big fish in Matt Duchesne, who really wanted to go there. Took far less than a lot of other. Probably what he could have gotten. Um, their power play was a nightmare last year in the regular season, and then it got worse in the playoffs. Uh, where where are you with Nashville? I mean, obviously they're a, a really good team. You know, a couple of years ago they got to the fi- finals, uh, lost in six. Um, are are was that their chance at the brass ring? And they're a good team, but that's where it ends. Where are you with Nashville? See, I think if Nashville plays anyone else in that first round, I think they they advance. Um, I think Blues fans had already had it slated that. Uh, they were going to play the Predators in the in the second round after if they got past the Jets, and Dallas was a surprise, um, you know. And, and I think now you look at Dallas, which we'll get to them in a minute, but they look you look at them as potentially a team that could do exactly what they did last year, maybe even go farther. But in terms of of Nashville, um, I still think they're very strong. Um, I think that the problem that they had maybe uh, late in the season last year was that. Um, they were they knew that they had nothing else to prove in the regular season, and I think you kind of um, are going to see that maybe this year with Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they know that they're a perennial playoff team. They know that you know all it takes is you got to get in, and once they're there, then they can start start making damage. But I think when you start having that mentality late in the season, okay, guys, April's a month away, let's get there. I think you kind of lose your focus and lose your edge. And, I, and again, nothing against the. Uh, the, the Dallas Stars, they played a great series against them, but um, the Predators just, uh, I, I just don't think they were as focused going in as they have been in the past. I think this was kind of a wake-up call to them, not only the players, but the management, and that's why you saw such a big summer for them. I mean, it's funny, you go back over the years with the Predators, and you think back to all the, the powerhouse teams that they've had, even you know back in the Shea Weber and, and Ryan Suter days, and you know, they again, like like the the Blackhawks who won cups, like maybe even the Blues of last year. Their defense has been the thing that's always shined for them. You know, how long were we saying there in the uh, the mid two thousands that you know, hey, all this team needs is one goal scorer, and then they're going to get there. And then it was, oh well, if they just had a setup man for that goal scorer, they've always just been lacking that offense. And I it, I think you're seeing a turn this year. Laviolette coaches a very high tempo game. And I think you're going to uh, to see a brand-new Predators offense. You mentioned the, the, the awful power play. Um, I think with Matthew Shane there, that is going to be a huge advantage. Yes, you're losing uh, P.K. Subban, but when you got guys back there like uh, Roman Yossi, you can fire the puck as well as anyone in the NHL, and uh, another guy like Matt Ellis who can uh, move the puck really well along the blue line. Uh, you had Matthew Shane in that mix. They're only going to improve. They can only go up from there. And like I said, that problem with their focus, I don't think that's going to be a problem this year because they're going to say, hey, you know what? It's not just about getting in. we got to go in strong, and we got to be able to play anybody because, again, you look at how tight the Western Conference is and really the whole NHL. 
anybody can beat anybody on any given night, except maybe the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's a good segue because you mentioned Dallas, and it's you know, if I would have said at this time last year that Dallas and the Islanders were going to be uh, allow the least amount of goals last year, people would have thought I was probably crazy. But yep. uh, you know, Dallas uh, adding Pavelski and Perry uh, this off season, so. To me, there's three questions about Dallas. One, is there enough uh, uh, juice to get out of the orange for both Pavelski and Perry? Uh, Two, can they – actually, four questions. Two, can they stay healthy? Three, can they fit into the system that Dallas wants and their coach wants to play? And four, can Ben Bishop stay healthy, particularly when it becomes playoff time and and, and to get through four rounds? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you that uh, you look back at the Blues' run, you know, they went through Winnipeg and Dallas and San Jose and then Boston. Um, I, looking back, some would probably tell you Winnipeg was the hardest team to beat, but I think, and, and obviously, you know, they went seven games with both Boston and Dallas. I think Dallas was the tougher team to beat. Um, for whatever reason, and not to relate this back to the Blues too much, but for whatever reason, Dallas had the Blues' number last year. Um, you know, they beat them pretty bad early in the year when the Blues were struggling. But even when the Blues started winning games and were just went on that crazy run, the Stars still had their number. They were still putting pucks behind Bennington and, and Allen. And just, you know, they have that firepower that can take over a game. Maybe Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have aged a little bit, but they still can bring it. And now you look at, like you said, the additions they've made of Joe Pavelski uh, and uh, Corey Perry, who yeah, Corey Perry may be coming off a, a rough year, and you know he's not the player he was even two, two, three years ago. He's still a heck of a hockey player, and you put him out there with a guy who can give him the puck. He's still going to be able to fire it, especially on the power play, and he's going to provide a little bit more offense for them. Which you know, it's funny. Again, you think about you know we we talked about the Nashville Predators always seem to be built on defense. Well, it seems like the opposite for the Stars. We've always kind of looked at the offense of the Stars especially since Jamie Benn and James Neal and all those guys came up originally with them, it's always been, okay, they've got a dangerous offense. But you look at the numbers, defensively, they're right there. I mean, you mentioned it, that they gave up the the second least amount of goals in the NHL. That's crazy because you just don't think of them as a good defensive team. And a lot of kudos goes to their head coach, Jim Montgomery, who stepped in and and really had a great year with Dallas. Um, And again, you know, this team's driven – uh, Jamie Benn's one hell of a leader. I think he's one of the best leaders the NHL's ever seen, to be to be honest. And uh, I just think that they're the team to beat. You know, you look at, uh, I think, Winnipeg, which we'll get to, it, it, they've fallen off a little bit. I think Minnesota's fallen off a bit. Um, and obviously Nashville, St. Louis are still up there. But uh, I, put, I tell you what, Dallas is going to be right there in the thick of things late in the year um, because they just have, they have everything you want in a team. Uh, and you mentioned the goaltending. The thing about Ben Bishop, yeah, you want him to be healthy and, and you know, hopefully he can make it through four rounds in the playoffs for them. But if he doesn't, they have one of the best backups in the league in Anton Kidobin. And I think that, that if, if Kidobin needs to step in, uh, yeah, it's maybe a little bit of a downgrade because Bishop's one of the best goalies in the league. But it's not going to be a confidence killer for the, for the Stars. They know what they have in their backup. And if he steps in, they can still win hockey games against anyone in the league. Last one for me, and then I'll let Mark finish out. He has a couple of teams left, but uh, you mentioned Winnipeg. Let's just assume for now 
that the contract stall or negotiations of what they are between Line A and Kyle Connor get worked out between now and opening night. And I know that's a capital I and a capital F, but let's just assume that. Uh, I would be very nervous. I mean, this is a team that lost two top blue liners in Truba and and uh, Tyler Myers. And, you know, they, it wasn't like they lost those two guys and – you know they brought they brought in uh, you know another top four guy. Uh, there's there's been a big drop off there. Bufflin and and Morrissey are gonna have, they're gonna have to rely heavily on them, and uh, they can't get hurt. I mean that's the other thing. And this is a sport where people get hurt. So uh, assuming that the Line A Connor situation resolves itself, how concerned? would you be if you were a Jets fan uh, with those losses on the blue line? Yeah, I mean, uh, one th- my biggest concern with the Jets has always been that I think they, they play Bufflin a little more than they should. Um, he's one heck of a defenseman. You put him out there against anybody. You know, he's a big body. You guys know as well as anyone um, how tough he can be back there, uh, and especially people in the Central Division. You know, they we know. We see him play. You don't want to go in front of the net with that guy. Um, now let's hope the news that came out yesterday uh, that Bufflin is on a leave of absence from the team doesn't affect the regular season because, like you said, he is much needed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I think he will be. I'm not sure what this, this issue is, but, you know, Bufflin's a, a hockey guy first. You know, he's a warrior. He always wants to play even when he's hurt. Um, and, yeah, Morrissey's a, he's a very undervalued or under underrated defenseman, I'll say. Um, I think that uh, when he signed that contract, there was a lot of people around the NHL that were kind of uh, scoffing at it and saying, you know, well, really? Morrissey's worth it. Was it uh, uh, $6 million or whatever he signed for? Uh, his AAV was, was higher than a lot of people anticipated. But he's very valuable to this team, and I think he brings a lot to them. But, again, I, my worry is that, you know, when they, when they traded Truba, uh, I thought that was a deal that had been kind of, waited on for a couple years uh yeah. they, had, they had such a, a backlog of right-handed defensemen that they didn't need him um and i expected that trade to happen one two years ago um but then it was surprising to me when they let myers walk too because i thought huh you're letting both those guys go and uh that was kind of again you know you talk about a, a well-balanced team uh like the stars that's what winnipeg was last year and in the year before uh, so well balanced, and again, they've got some guys that are going to be able to step in and and play some good hockey for them. But I think Jacob Truba is uh, a lot of people don't look at him as as a guy like a lot of people are questioning what the Rangers are going to do with him as a number one. I think he's going to fit in just fine. I think he's a heck of a defenseman. Um, and you also, you know, I know that there's some talks that Line A's heading back uh, to his home country, and he's not going to be uh, uh, trained. Well, he's got to train, you know. So I don't think him going back is really nobody should read anything into that. Um, but I do think if you're going to say one of these guys needs to be locked up by game one, I think it's got to be Connor. Um, I tell you, I think, I think line a is a, is a sharpshooter, a guy you definitely want out there on the power play. Um, but to me, and, and it's not a knock on him. It's, you know, just who he is. I think he's more one dimensional than, than Kyle Connor. I feel like Connor is yep. much more important to this team's offense um, he's, he's just got better hands around the net. Uh, he can go out there and kill a penalty if you need him to. Um, I feel like he is just so well-rounded 
that you need him on that Jets lineup. And, and with a central division that's that's just stacked top to bottom. I mean, Chicago's improved even. Um, you know, you've got a you, you've got every single game is going to matter. You know, you're going to look back after 82 games, and if you're out by two or three points, you'll be able to point to one or two games on the schedule and say, yeah. Uh, that was one that got away from us. And uh, if you don't have Connor and Lonnie in the lineup, or even just one of them, um, that's going to be one of those games you're going to circle and say, yeah, we probably should have won that one. All right, we're talking with Jeff Ponder. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at jponder94. He's host of the Let's Go Blues podcast. Um, I wanted to jump into the Colorado Avalanche, and this team has gone under more – change this offseason than I think any other in the division. They've brought in uh, Andre Burakovsky, Nazim Kadri, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who, by the way, the folks in Colorado are going to love Pierre-Edouard Belmar. <clears throat> I, I think that's a big hole in the Golden Knights' uh, <clears throat> center depth was losing him. And they also brought in Grubauer uh, to, to battle in the net. There's probably going to be a platoon situation with, with uh, the, you know, it, he, he was someone we had targeted a few years ago as maybe a possible grab in the expansion draft. Um, and we all know that their top line is fantastic. Um, they look like they've addressed the depth issue with the forward additions, and their goaltending position is stronger. Where do you look um, to see the Colorado Avalanche towards the end of the season? This, uh, To me, I, I think this could be a team that's going to surprise a lot of people with how good they're going to be this season. Yeah, they, uh, they've they really stepped up their game. You know, you talk about uh, there's always copycats after a team wins the Stanley Cup, you know, so teams are, are now looking at the Blues and saying, okay, we need to get a little bigger like they did. We need to forecheck a little more. And uh, one of the big things, I think, for the Blues that kind of pushed them through was the last two years, the acquisitions they've made at center. Uh, in uh, Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly. And I think uh, this was something that Dallas looked at and said, okay, Joe Pavelski is a free agent. Let's try to lock him up. That'll give us much more depth than, than Jason Spezza would at this point in his career. And I think Colorado did the same thing. Um, Nazem Kadri, I mean, we all know the issues he's had. And I think if he corrects those, he's, again, just a, a, a dynamic player. Um, I talked to many people in Toronto who – love the way he plays when his head's on straight, but every now and then he just, he kind of loses his composure, does something stupid, gets kicked out of the game, gets suspended. Right. So as long as he could find a way to get that under wraps, he's going to be a great player for them. And to put him behind Nathan McKinnon uh, as a one, two punch, that's, I mean, that's solid. And you mentioned Pierre, Mark, uh, Pierre, Edward, uh, uh, Bellamar, you guys know more than anybody how great, uh, he is and, and how underrated he is um, For and sure. how important he is to a team's locker room. So they've done a lot to retool their roster on the fly, and they were already a solid team last year. Um, they gave uh, San Jose quite the run there in the second round, and I think, uh, I'll be honest with you, I think if Colorado goes to the Western Final against the Blues, that might have been a different outcome than uh, against the Sharks. Uh, they're young, they're hungry, and um, they just they play a game that, that is – suffocating because their offense as as you mentioned uh especially that top line they can just cycle all day long and you cannot get the puck off those guys sticks um and they're so quick and so good about you know if they've been out there for a minute or so uh cycling somebody out real quick getting somebody over to the boards and and getting them cycled out get somebody else out there so you've always got fresh legs out there against you 
when you're on defense. So they're a tough team. And you mentioned Grubauer. I think Grubauer is going to have a big year this year, uh, getting the reins as the number one as uh, 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 Semyon Valarmov moves on. Um, I think that, uh, that this is going to be a team, like you said, a surprise team. I think people are looking at them as a wild card team. I think this is a team that could finish one or two uh, if given the right opportunity and if, if uh, health doesn't play too much of a factor uh, into their season. Yeah, I think that as good as that top line is, if if Pierre-Edouard Belmar can ignite that fourth line the way he did in Vegas and drive play into the offensive zone and, and keep it there during their shift um, so, so they go for the change <clears throat> two or three times a game without having to leave the offensive and force their top line to uh, go 200 feet to score. If they can change on the fly the way that, that Belmar's line did for the Golden Knights, um, that line may even be better this coming up season. That's one of the things I'm looking for out of Colorado. Um, Minnesota, let's jump over there. Uh, seems like they're maybe in a little bit of disarray heading into this season. You get all the way through the draft and free agency and you're a couple weeks before uh, the season starts and you move your general manager out and whether that uh, they, obviously the timing was questioned in the national media. Um, I think Minnesota as the, their core group is, is just continues to age and, and put miles on the tires. I think, I think this we may have seen the peak of this group of Minnesota Wild. What do you think about the Wild's chances this year? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought last year, honestly, with you mentioned the age of these players, I thought last year might have been their last real good opportunity to get into the playoffs and then get hot at the right time and maybe capture a cup for uh, for the state of hockey. But um, I just I. I don't see it as, as the years go on, uh, this this core group being able to get it done. I think Miko Koivu is an excellent captain, and I think that uh, uh, you know they just signed Jarrett Spurgeon today to a great contract extension. These guys are all well and good, and, and obviously Bill Guerin is going to step in and, and want to um, you know make some changes there as a GM. But the problem is with the contracts that, that he's inheriting – uh, just it. I don't think there's much he's going to be able to do. Uh, you got the the Suter and the Parise contracts that I think they're getting paid until uh, twenty twenty three twelve or something, right? Three hundred year contract yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And then the the one that uh, uh, I'm trying to blink on his name, but the last GM that was just let go, Fenton, Paul Zuccarello. Uh, yeah, they they just signed Zuccarello, and and again, I'm not. I, I don't think Garen would you know, scoff at, at having Zuccarello on his roster, but for that contract, you got to think Garen might've stepped in and said, okay, time to retool this, this roster a little bit. Well, with that, another, with another big contract added in there, I don't know what he's going to be able to do. And, and I think uh, Devin Dubnik's a fine goalie, but he's kind of dropped out of the, the upper echelon. And uh, I think that this is going to be a rough year for Minnesota. I think uh, you're going to see them try and start maybe, trading off parts as the season progresses but uh i mean obviously teams have always surprised us uh the vegas golden knights being one in their first season um so you never know you know but but i just feel like this is uh this is a, a dying group that uh they're gonna just have to try and string together a couple good games and hope to sneak into the playoffs but i just don't see them uh really having a chance against some of the powerhouses of the western conference 
Bill, Billy Guerin kind of inherits the same situation um, it, as they inherited in Edmonton, where you, you there's things that you can identify that could make the uh, stronger, deeper roster, and you have these contracts that really can't be moved at this time. And you, you, it's gonna, unfortunately, for Minnesota fans, it, it's it might be a, a couple of years. They might be on the way down as as Chicago and is to creep their way back up um, to become uh, a player in this division again. Has Chicago done enough uh, retooling of the roster to get back into maybe a wild card sniff? They, they, they were really close down this. Me and Chris had a little friendly bet um, uh, who was going to end up in that last wild card spot. And, and the, about three weeks till the end of the season, I took Chicago and I lost. But uh, I lost too because I took Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you're both wrong. But really close, though. <laughs> both of them were in it to the last week. So, um, anyway, with, with Chicago, are they are they ready to take that step back in, into the playoffs, or still well, a few pieces away? Getting uh, get, talking about Minnesota a little bit. I mean, you you look at what um, they are about to go through. I think, and I think this again, this will be a rough year for their fans. I think the the uplifting part for them, as much as they're going to hate hearing this, look at the Chicago Blackhawks. I think that Hmm. is going to be what you're going to have to look at. Granted, you didn't get the cups that Chicago got, but look how quickly Chicago is is slowly – I mean, they're still slowly, but still – you know, they're still with it. they still got a good team. they still got a good core. They're still a scary team. I mean, again, I'm sure Vegas fans, when they see the Blackhawks, they see – Patrick Kane, they see Jonathan Taves. Those guys still have plenty of game left in in their careers, and and I think that uh, that's they've kept that little bit of the core together, and they're starting to be able to finally like get out of some of these other contracts. Obviously, the Seabrook one's killing them a little bit. Uh, Crawford's health hasn't helped, um, but they've been able to go out and get another goaltender in Robin Lehner, uh, who uh, Chris knows as well as anyone can uh, just put on a show night to night uh, if given the right situation in front of him. And and I think that they've supplemented the D well enough to where um, they could, again, I, I don't want to call them a surprise team because I think that people are kind of expecting them to take that next step forward. But I do think you could see them in the wild card spot uh, this year. Like you said, very close last year, and they had some question goaltending performances from Cam Ward, and they were able to still get that close um, without Crawford playing a full season, and now with Crawford out, they've got a legit number one. They got a guy who, uh, again, maybe maybe he kind of falls back down into his mean, but uh, you know he's he's definitely an improvement over Cam Ward. And, and you know uh, Duncan Keith, still a good defenseman, uh, maybe not a, a, a Norris winner anymore, but uh, still solid out on the blue line. And then you got again when you got guys on your roster like uh, uh, Taves and Kane and. And obviously, uh, even like a Brandon Saad, who can keep the puck in the offensive zone and away from the other from your team's net, um, that's only going to do great things for you. So again, if, if you're a Minnesota fan and you're dreading this upcoming season, uh, just keep your eye on the Chicago Blackhawks. And if they start to move forward and take that next step, then it it proves that within two or three years, your team will be doing the same thing. And I know last week we had JD Styles on and. Excuse me. He's the NHL editor for Cali Sports News and a lifelong Kings fan. 
and they're they're what um, they're in their stage of their rebuild, where maybe a year ahead of where Minnesota is. By that I mean bad. <laughs> this is this yeah. is the bad year for the LA Kings, probably the next two, and then they need to follow Chicago back up the ladder. Uh, if if our old friend JD Styles is going to have a smile on his face again anytime soon, so it can be done. It takes a skillful uh, general manager to work around. Um, some of the some of the contracts that we were talking about, but um, you, you got it, it is what it is. I don't see Minnesota going through ten, twelve, fifteen years of, of ineptitude, kind of the way Edmonton had, and even in the Connor McDavid area, they've only made the playoffs one one time. So, um, not not a good year probably for Minnesota, um, especially in this division we just talked about. Uh, every team has a shot, I I think, to, you know, at least contend for a playoff spot besides maybe um, Minnesota or or Chicago, depending on how their seasons get off. Um, If they get off to quick starts, they might even be in the conversation. So um, it really shapes up to possibly the strongest division um, in the National Hockey League this season. If we could, real quick, before we let you go, um, how do you see the the standings ending up um, at the in April when when the playoffs come calling? Yeah, you know it, it's interesting as people are are already starting to ask the questions here. Training camp opened today to the public, and people are starting to ask the question about the Stanley Cup hangover. You know how how much is that going to affect your team? I think Washington answered that pretty well last year. I think that uh, yes, they came, went out of the first round, but I think there was. Uh, health issues to T.J. Oshie getting hurt and then other circumstances, Carolina playing a solid game. I don't think it had anything to do with the Stanley Cup hangover. Um, I don't think they came out and played a, a fine season after winning the Cup, but I think the, the Blues are going to do the same thing. I, I expect them to still come out and compete. Like I said, the, I think the, the beauty of them is that there's still people fighting for certain positions on the roster. I mean, yes, most of it is set. Excuse me. But you've got uh, a guy like Jordan Cairo wanting to step through, and you've got, you got a couple guys on defense that are battling out for that last spot. And, and it's just uh, it's going to make for a lot of people motivated to play. So I think St. Louis is still going to have a solid year. I don't see them taking number one in the division. I think that, uh, maybe surprisingly enough, I think that's going to go to Dallas. Uh, that's my pick. I think they've got all you need for a successful team. Um, I think they're going to just have a, a great season all around, unless obviously health plays a factor. But uh, I think Dallas, St. Louis, and uh, uh, Colorado, Nashville—that's going to be the battle for number one and two in in, in the division. Um, and I think that uh, whoever—I think it's going to be in their better interest, and it's going to be a, a fun battle to watch as the uh, season progresses, because nobody wants to finish in second or third nobody's going to want to play uh, the other central team uh, in that division. I think it's going to be, let's get one and hope that we get, uh, you know, that way we can get maybe a Pacific team that they feel more comfortable against, or maybe even a a central team that that maybe wasn't as strong as the other two. Um, But yeah, I think that that's, that's going to be the fun thing to watch. And I think another fun thing to watch is just going to be how the Blackhawks progress. Um, I think that uh, again, they're going to, uh, battle it out for a wild card spot at least, and uh, you know we we know the kind of veteran leadership they have in that locker room. 
Um, and then even the coaching. Uh, yes, they, they got a new coach, and uh, uh, Coach C, I believe is what they're calling him. I can never pronounce his last name. But uh, <laughs> they, I think he, he brings a little bit of, you know, yes, he's a new coach, but he's been working alongside Joel Quinville uh, before that. And, and I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. So, yes, you're going to have your, your upper echelon teams, but you're still going to have, and, and, you know, we, we maybe talked a little bit about Minnesota, but, again, they still have plenty of guys that can come out, and as long as they stay healthy, can put up solid games here and there. So I agree with you. It's going to be the strongest division in the NHL, I think, this year. And uh, you may even see another cup winner coming from the Central Division this year. All right, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for taking uh, a lot of your time up this Saturday morning talking some hockey with Chris and I. We really appreciate it. Uh, let everybody know where to find your stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always uh, appreciate talking to you guys. Uh, it's fun talking to again. Just uh, you know, we we got all the uh, we got all the time zones covered, right? We got uh, we got there Pacific, go. we got Midwest, and we got East. <laughs> um, but no, you can uh, you can find me as you guys mentioned on Twitter uh, at jponder94. Our show, Let's Go Blues Radio. Uh, right now, we're wrapping up our summer series, and uh, as you kind of alluded to, it's uh, it's been a crazy one for me. Um, quick story: I uh, <laughs> I decided that uh, for this summer series, as I do one every year, and I kind of change it up. I said, you know what, I'm going to talk to somebody from every team. Uh, sure. So 30 shows over the summer, and I said I said this last November when the Blues were in last place because I was like, oh, you know, that way they'll be out mid-April, <laughs> and that'll give me plenty of time to get 30 shows out, right? Well, of course, this Famous is the last longest words. or the shortest. <laughs> Shortest summer the Blues have ever had. So it's been interesting getting every show out. But uh, you can check those out if you're a fan of another team. Just check that out. Again, Let's Go Blues Radio. You can go to letsgobluesradio.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we start our live shows here in just a couple weeks. We record live on Wednesday nights as long as the Blues aren't playing at uh, 9 o'clock Central. All right, buddy. Thanks again. We'll talk to you later on in the season, see how things are going. We'll check in for sure. You got it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Jeff Ponder from Let's Go Blues Radio, yeah. breaking down the Central Division for us, Chris. A uh, lot of information we just went through. Jeff is uh, Jeff's all over it. Absolutely. So I guess that brings prediction time for us. I'll, and I'll jump in the in the pool here and. Um, uh, I think it's going to be very close, just like it was last year, right? The one, two, and three was really dictated the last couple of weeks. They were only separated by a couple of points. But I think the order is going to be a little bit different compared to last year. Uh, I'm going to go Nashville one, thinking that they can somehow get that. They have players that can produce on the power play. If they can get that power play from where it was to even 15, 17, somewhere in that range, so that, that will mean uh, a few more wins than I think they had around 98, 99 points last year. Um, Colorado, I'm high on. As long as, if you told me right now that Kadri and Burkowski uh, are going to have their heads on straight day in, day out, I really like Colorado a lot. But that's, yeah. uh, they, that has to be proven and over the from the pillar to the post. But uh, I, I think, they'll, especially for the regular season, They'll they'll be good enough citizens and uh, and in and, and, and different ways they've been a little bit of a problem child. Uh, emotions on the ice has gotten country and Bur- Burkowski has 
just not brought that intensity enough uh, day in and day out. And then Dallas, I, I like third. Uh, I think they can get enough out of Perry and, uh, and Pawlowski in terms of scoring. A little nervous about them being in their 30s and staying, you know, healthy. Uh, you always have to worry about that. And same thing with Bishop. And, yes, they have a good backup. But And then my I think both wild cards are going to come from the central. Uh, I like the Blues uh, in, in one of the spots. It's not an anti-Blues pick, uh, saying that they're going to fall to the wild card because I don't care who you are. And, and it also uh, shows the division that they're in. The division that they're in and having just climbed the mountaintop, uh, they, they had to expend a lot of extra miles on the tire. Uh, but I like the Blues and the wild card, and I think the Jets will figure out a way to get in with all the drama and lack of, and, and the loss on defense. Quick note uh, on Minnesota, uh, Breezy is 35, Stoll will be 35 next month. Zaruko, Zaruko, Zuccarello, Zuccarello. I'm all right. He's thirty, he's thirty-two. <laughs> Koivu, thirty-six. Uh, Suda, thirty-four. Uh, Spurgeon yeah. about to turn thirty, and Dubnik, thirty-three. That's a lot of age. And I love Rod and Leonard, but keep in mind he split time with the Islanders last year. I don't think he's a fifty-five game played guy. I think he's. You want to keep him healthy. You got to be. You got to split time with him with somebody. And the Islanders under Barry Trotz were dedicated to defense, <laughs> top to bottom. And I don't know yeah. the Hawks have that personnel. So I think it's going to be long years for those two teams. All right. Well, real quick, let me get I'm, – I'm, I'm with Jeff. I think uh, they usually don't drink the Kool-Aid, but I'm with Dallas on number one. I think Barry gives them something that maybe they didn't have, and sometimes it's not always a good thing. Um, along with the uh, keep your head on straight cadre comment, I, I, that can go right to Corey Perry as well. But Pavelski brings a, a leadership to that group that maybe yep. um, is going to help that room a lot. I'm going Dallas and Bishop. Bishop's the man. So Dallas one. I'm going um, Colorado two. I'm really high on the Avalanche. Um, this is my Kool Aid division. Uh, I'm going to go uh, St. Louis three. With a race with Nashville, that could go either way. Um, and then, yeah, I think Winnipeg finds finds a way, even with Truba and Myers gone, uh, to get their way into the playoffs. So uh, I think all five or both wild cards come out of the division as well. Um, we've only got about 30 seconds left, Chris. Bang out two next weeks episode week. and we're gone. Yep, next week previewing the Metro with good friend Mark Scheig, uh covers the Blue Jacket, so check that out. All right. Well, that'll do it for our Central Division preview. Uh, we'll be back next week as he Shiger's jumping in to, to uh, give us his take. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. Mm-hmm.